Okay, another podcast here on a, I don't know, Surdy gets done with his Will Kane shift. I just ran right in here because I heard you guys wanted to talk to me. Um, and I want to talk to you. I want to talk to you, Surudi. How are you, by the way? I'm doing great. Yeah, we did. We brought you up in the last segment today. That's good. I appreciate that. Uh, I have two segments I'm going to do, and that's how we'll do it on the podcast. we break them up. I'll talk a lot of Blake, some trade deadline stuff. Uh, I talked to Woj today, by the way. Woj uh, is not going to join us on this pod. I'm going to go guest-free on this one. And Saruti's basically my guest. And I will... Uh, Woj, nice. Woj and I agreed upon doing a joint pod after the trade deadline. We'll talk about all the stuff that we heard could happen that didn't. Because he and I both were laughing. See, now I'm trying to equate to that I'm at that level and I'm not. So I'm going to stop myself. Is it going to be like a reckless speculation pod? Because I, I love that. Like, what yeah, could have been? What could have been? I love those pods. I would like to have a GM on every week from any sport and be like, tell me the craziest thing that didn't happen. But a yeah, lot like of, how close were you to making this deal? Yeah. A lot of guys don't like to do that kind of stuff because they have to admit that. Yeah. 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 This other team was totally willing to trade this guy that they've then since resigned. And now there's going to be more hurt feelings. So GMs normally don't like doing those kinds of segments, but maybe one day we'll have the Redskins GM on. Maybe we'll have the chiefs. GM. Who knows? Because Alex Smith, your boy, was traded to the Washington Redskins. And this is my first non-NBA like NBA thing solo here, so hopefully I'm not too rusty. But I feel like this league and leagues in general, when there are these debates about, hey, what's this guy really all about? Not to say that these teams don't make mistakes, but the league many times will tell you what they think about a player. So when Vince Young couldn't get a gig again, that was kind of because... Most of the league didn't think Vince Young was good. They didn't fall in love with that fake one-loss record with him in the beginning of that Titans run. They're like, you know what? Eh, he's just not really that great. And then it wasn't this conspiracy against Vince Young. It was just the league telling us. And the league does this a lot. The league will then say, well, how come there's no market for this guy? RG3, who, by the way, dude, my God, I wish you had more male friends, who would say, you know what? Don't send a tweet when Kirk Cousins is out. Or somehow he sent out a tweet last night, RG3, going, somehow, some way, they will find a way to blame this on me. And you're like, this is why dudes don't really like you, man. Like, I wish you get another gig. But I think the league looks at him and says, for a guy that can't protect himself and maybe is exposed a bit, on and on and on. So my point with Alex Smith is, and I guess we're always looking to find ways to be right, and I try not to mine through all the information and only go with the stuff that makes me right and ignore all the stuff that I think could hurt me or use weak. Sometimes when I read people's stuff, I go, are you trying to make a good argument? Or are you hoping that stupid people agree with this? Because there's so many things I read. But this is not stupid. This is Jim Harbaugh, who is very good with quarterbacks. I guess I'm not supposed to say that anymore because Michigan hasn't had a good one in two years. Sorry. But I, let's just put it yep, this way. Sucks Har- now, sorry. Yeah, right, right. Sucks now. Can't use it. Bad argument. No, I'm going to stay with the theory that Jim Harbaugh is still pretty good, who takes a really unproven guy and benches Cousins, or excuse me, benches Alex Smith after the concussion. I can go out through all these numbers and decides to move on from Alex Smith and go with Kaepernick. I think that tells you something. When I was on the air, when that happened, I go, you know what? This is really weird. This surprises me. I didn't really think Kaepernick was close to being pro-ready, and yet... Harbaugh's going to bench him. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to just defer to Harbaugh on this one. Okay, so then we fast forward to a year in which Alex Smith had his best career year. I went through it all again this afternoon. His numbers are incredible. Here's blind resume style. Ready for this? One quarterback, 341 for 505, 67% completion rate, over 4,000 yards, 8 yards per attempt, 
26 touchdowns, five picks, a QBR of 63.6, a QB rating of 104. The other quarterback, 342 of 529, 64.7% completion rate, just over 4,000 yards again, 7.74 yards per attempt, 20 touchdowns, 12 picks, a 65 QBR, and a 91.4 passer rating. I guess I shouldn't call it quarterback rating. You understand the point. The first guy is Alex Smith. The second guy is Matt Ryan. I would take Matt Ryan every day, and I know now he sucks too. We're not allowed to say he's any good because Sark is poisoning him uh, based on everything I've read. But And I'm being a little facetious there. But the point is, is like there are some raw stats where if you look at Alex Smith's stats this year, you go, you know what? He was really, really good. So then why, why would Andy Reid, who's considered another great quarterback guy, go, I am ready not just to move on from Alex Smith, Understanding he's getting a third round pick and they're getting fuller, which we'll get to all the Redskins part of this here very shortly. But if that's two quarterbacks in the last, or excuse me, two quarterback guru type coaches in the past five, six years that are willing to move on for Alex Smith, not for the next established guy, not for the number one overall consensus pick, but for somebody in Mahomes, if you watched him at tech, was a dude that dropped back and just slung it in the air. Obviously, his arm strength is through the roof, and they like him to trade up and go ahead and make that move. But shouldn't that tell us, those of us that have debated Alex Smith for years, shouldn't that tell us that, yeah, there's some stuff that's okay, and yes, he's maybe better than he's been given credit for, but he's not this completely misunderstood great QB that I would say the Sarudis of the world, or at least the pro Alex Smith people have tried to say, or the Grudens on a Monday night would go, hey, Sean, I got to tell you, you don't think Alex Smith wants to win? Look at that guy out there. Like, don't put up the Alex Smith, Brady, and Aaron Rodgers win graphic. Don't. Because you know what would never happen to those guys? Two different organizations in less than a half a decade or a half a decade would decide to move on. Again, and not just move on for the next dude that you know, Two complete uncertains, one who's not even in the league anymore. All right, there's a lot to unpack there. First off, I will say that the first time around in San Francisco, Kaepernick played a game, and he was awesome against the Bears on that Monday Night Football game, and it was like, oh, my God, this guy can play after Alex Smith got that concussion. So we we at least had some evidence that Kaepernick could play, and they were obviously willing to make that move because they didn't love everything about Alex Smith, and that's fine. And my point has never been that he's some world beater. I just don't understand why he gets beat up on all the time. Because Twitter was full of people yesterday being like, oh my God, this how does this guy keep scamming the league into these contracts? Well, I don't he, think that's fair. I wouldn't be one of not. those guys. And yeah. that's who and that's who I'm fighting against. Yeah. I, but, I I've always thought you or I and I became a little bit more aligned on this than we were in the beginning of it. And certainly more than when Danny would just decide to argue with me, like he was just gonna go, I'm gonna be an Alex Smith guy. You know? And that's just what he decided to do. And listen, I'm biased because I'm a 49ers fan, and when he got drafted in that team in 2005, it was the worst team I've ever seen a player on. I know they won two games a year, and there have been winless teams. Maybe the Browns this year were worse, but he had no weapons. He had no help. He had one touchdown and 11 picks. Everyone said he was a bust and and, and wrote him off really quick. They had like seven coordinators in seven years. So well, I, whose fault is that, I though? I felt is it bad seven, for the guy. Did they decide, hey, let's make sure we have him look at seven different styles of offense? Or does the player a lot of times... when the, One of them just, was Mike McCarthy, right. who took a head coaching job with, obviously, the, with the Packers right after that. Some of those guys were good, and some of them weren't. Okay, but usually when it's seven different coordinators, it's because the quarterback isn't getting it done. Sure, but it's still not ideal. And you're, it, I'm it not saying it's ideal, you but he's Even not in your blameless. first couple years, you should at least keep some sort of continuity. So right there, right off the bat, I felt I felt bad for him. Like, this guy's getting a raw end of the deal. I think he could play. And then he gets compared to Aaron Rodgers, who gets into this perfect situation where he gets to sit back and learn behind 
I know he wasn't learning because Favre didn't want to teach him anything, but he at least got to sit and learn the NFL game and sit on the bench for a couple of years before he was able to play. And then he was fully ready to come in into an organization that actually had some weapons and some people who knew what they were doing. San Francisco had no idea what they were doing at that time. That was like when all Mike right. Nolan was the coach, Mike Singletary was taking his pants off. Fine, fine. What he, a disaster. You can, you can have all of that stuff. You can have all that stuff. But let's get to when they actually start becoming really good and have what is maybe the most talented roster in the NFL for a couple of years of the Niners. They're going, sure. what, 2011, 2012? And they quit Cause, on them. Because I went through it all again. And wait a minute. Who quit on who? The the the, the team quit on him. Like I'm the saying, team the, like quit on Harbaugh and the front office clearly went uh, well, with Kaepernick. Okay, all right. Um, because the the way you described it, I think, and and this is fresh because I I spent all afternoon looking it up again, so I might be at an advantage here. But I I just remember I, whenever I watched him, I go, there's just something something's wrong here. Okay, and in 2011, 2012, 2011 was the year where Harbaugh had him, and he's going, you know what, this this isn't going to work. This isn't going to work, but he still has him in 2012. But that's when you know um, they were they were more ready to go with Kaepernick. He led the league in sack rate in 2012. He was getting sacked at 10 percent of his dropbacks. Okay, like the best guys in the league around three, and some are in the twos. That was after he was the sixth worst in sack rate at like nine percent. So he goes from 9% to about 10% in sack rate. 2011, 2012. 2012, they're 6-2. and two. They have that tie with the Rams when they're still in St. Louis. Um, that's the game he's knocked out of. Kaepernick comes back in. And yes, going back and reading all the Kaepernick history, it's really pretty funny because they're like, man, this Kaepernick guy, look who he's beat Breeze, he beat Brady, he beat Rodgers, beat Matt Ryan. Like, this guy's incredible. And then a lot of times I feel like with this league, the dual threat guys, if you don't consistently become a pocket attacker, the dual threat thing doesn't mean anything. Yeah, like, do you remember that? It was the, oh, they were playing the Packers in the playoffs. I think that first year that cap was when rolling. When he ran for 181. Yeah. And you're like, how is, how are the Packers not stopping this? Like it doesn't seem that difficult. He's just tucking it and running it. So my point is that, is that I think as Harbaugh comes in in 2011, and you remember this too, is that people thought, okay, Harbaugh's coming in. Alex Smith is out. And he's like, no, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick around with this guy. It's the sack rate. Yes, he doesn't throw picks. And these numbers back then aren't even close to the numbers we just got from Alex Smith this past year with Kansas City. Like, I don't know how you can go through his entire career and not agree that this was his best statistical season. Yeah, I think he was like sixth in yards per attempt. He, he was terrific. Yeah. Yards number were up there. Yeah, the yards per attempt number that you couldn't always knock him with. But then it was this third down number. And from 2011, 12, 13, and 14, and this has always been my Alex Smith argument, is that on third down, they came up with this stat. They actually called it the Alex. And it was basically our, uh, air less expected with yards, meaning if it's third and five and you throw it five yards behind the line of scrimmage, you're actually throwing it like negative 10 yards per the destination that you need to be to get a first down. And the top guys were like Aaron Rodgers. You know, Brady would actually still be a little bit middle of the pack. There was one player through this four-season stretch that was actually negative, so negative yards to the line of scrimmage and an addition of yards needed to gain first down. It was Christian Ponder who was like a smidge, a smidge to the side of negative. And then the guy who was last in the NFL for those four years by a margin that was like 10 times more than Ponder's is Alex Smith. And then you have David Akers who sets a field goal attempt record in 2011 with 52 Field goal attempts, because you remember watching that team. <laughs> yep. Hey, we're going to get it to the 18, <laughs> yep. 
and Alex is never going to throw it into the end zone because he doesn't want to throw a pick. And yeah, we'll take the three because our defense is sick and the O-line was actually really good, so you can't even come at me with the O-line talent in those two years. They were a good run-blocking line, but they actually were not a good pass-blocking line. Okay, but it was a really talented offensive line that is not all... You can't sit there and go, Alex Smith, the sack rate, oh, well, that's because of the O-line. Okay, so what is it? He doesn't throw picks, great, but he gets sacked all the time. And he gets sacked a lot on third down. And when you look at the numbers when you get sacked in a drive, your scoring expectation goes way down. Okay, and then when it's third and four, he's not even throwing it to the line of scrimmage sometimes. So his third down conversions, there were certain seasons I was going through this morning, he was averaging less than four third down conversions per game. That's insanely bad. So I would defer to a guy like Harbaugh, who after two years goes, you know what, Kaepernick's a wild card. But he's killing it on third down, and he doesn't get sacked as much because everybody's freaking out that the guy has this rifle and he has this run combination. That again, I think there was a correction as you saw Kaepernick not tear up the world the way Jaws said he could be maybe the greatest quarterback ever. So to kind of finish my whole Alex Smith thing here is that I had to concede a bit that he became better than this guy that 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 San Francisco moved on from with a really talented run. Like they got so sick of running David Akers out there and going, you got you seriously won't throw it in the end zone once. The non receiver touchdown stat for Kansas City is is a weird one. It's not great for a QB. Yes, I would concede that the wide receiver talent there for a little bit of a stretch is a little unfair to him. And when you have tight ends lining up as wide receivers and then it doesn't count because their actual position is tight end. You know what I mean? Like I could use some other stuff here, but I think my first point is the best point is that if this dude, and I know I'm not really getting into this with you, but like the guy that tells me he's really good and misunderstood, this is now a second organization that feels like they've actually been successful and he helped navigate them out of QB purgatory. This is a second organization that goes, you know what? Actually, we're good. And we're going to go on to Mahomes, and I cannot express this enough, I have no idea if that guy's going to be any good. I know physically he's a beast, but I don't know because some of that Big 12 stuff, I just go, you know, I don't know if this is going to work. And I don't mean that as a knock in the Big 12 because if I watch Jalen Hurts as a pro prospect, I'd say mm, absolutely not. Okay. No, again, a lot, a lot to unpack there. So you're saying, yes, that these two guys gave up on him. Uh, Jim Harbaugh gave up on him and Andy Reid. They gave both up said on him. they could do better. That's what they did. They, they said, did. you know what? It's pretty good. But then, but then but we can do better than this. But at one point, Andy Reid was that guy who picked up and gave up two second-round picks for Alex Smith, and now another quarterback guy in Jay Gruden is giving up a third and a starting corner for him. So, so like, you're saying, yeah, there's there's people that are dumping him, but he's still he's still getting asked out on dates. Like, I look at Alex Smith as yeah. the ultimate rebound girl, right? He, like, I'm not saying he shouldn't go on any dates ever again. I'm not. He's a, he's a safe guy. He's he's safe. Yeah, just don't He's never going to be exciting. He doesn't, he doesn't own a motorcycle, but he's safe. He's got a, He probably drives, like, a Prius... And he'll get you from point A to point B. He'll take you out to a nice restaurant. But he's never going to surprise you. He's never going to let you down either. He's going to be very even keeled. And that's, I think, who he is. And that's okay. And there's value in that. And there's, and I, the way I think it for the Redskins is, I would, I, there's not that much of a difference between he and Kirk Cousins. Yeah, I know Kirk throws it downfield a little bit more and Alex doesn't. And Alex is going to give you less interceptions. But if I can pay maybe eight to nine million dollars a season less for Alex Smith, then done. Right. Okay. And that brings us to the Redskins in this whole deal. Because to fully comprehend what happened here is you have to equate that, okay, if Alex Smith was going to make this much money, but you're ready to move on to Mahomes, why not go grab an asset like Fuller, who turned into the best cornerback in the NFL last night on Twitter? Uh, yeah. Like it's unbelievable <laughs> how that stuff happens. It makes me so mad. You're like, oh, they gave up 
four? Oh my, how, how could you? You're like, what about the third round pick that you gave up too? Um, right. They give up a third and they give up a fuller. But remember, they only get that third back if they themselves don't dip in a free agency and take up somebody other, somebody else's play. And like the way the Redskins do business, there's a really good chance that they're going to owe somebody some sort of pick anyway. Yeah. So that part, you know. And I guess if, if the Chiefs had just let Alex Smith walk after next year, they probably would have gotten a third round compensation pick as well. So it's really what they would have gotten if they just let him walk. Well, it's also the great way of doing business if you're a GM where you go, hey, Washington, you're actually screwed. So here's the deal. You got to give me like a nice young player and this pick because you're screwed if you don't do this. And that's the part where I was surprised that so many NFL insiders, like guys that I like, were making fun of any of us that didn't really understand what Washington was doing. Like if your argument is the Redskins, hey, you need a quarterback, and you go, you do, but if I spent a million dollars on a penthouse apartment in Hartford and you said, hey, nice place, but you dropped a million bucks in Hartford, could I win the argument by saying, well, it beats being homeless. It got to, got to sleep somewhere. So yeah. when, when you when you'd come at me with the, hey, you got to pay a quarterback something, well, no, what you what you need to not do is put yourself in the situation the Redskins did the last two years. With him, if you don't, this is the greatest thing about this Smith Cousins thing is it's kind of two quarterbacks. A lot of us have spent time watching going, are either of them any good? Like, are they that really like, like part of me, the small part of me sort of respects that Washington went, you know, we just don't want to, we just, we don't really think he's as good. And Cousins wasn't great this year, but you didn't want them to sign Alex Smith and, you know, it's it's cool to be like, all right, yeah, let's let's walk away from Kirk Cousins. We don't think he's good, but then let's bring in Alex Smith, who's the exact same thing that we don't know about. No, but it's it's not knocking them for. I, I, my goal is not to sit here and tell everybody and every player like you're all terrible and you're all stupid too. But the Redskins are the team that got themselves into this situation where they didn't want to commit to Cousins a couple years ago, when the going rate is basically 20 mil, okay? Figure out a way to get 20 million average salary for a quarterback in the last couple of years of new deals being done and figure out a way to get in between 50 and 60 million guaranteed. It is the price of that position. And if you had had another, I don't know, another solution to this, maybe I'd be going, you know what, I, I respect what you did here. But what they did is they... They insulted all of us at the beginning of the season when the franchise tag window closed, and they said, we offered him $53 million guaranteed. And you're like, yeah, but you didn't really. That's the franchise money from last year and the franchise tag for the... No, it's the franchise tag for 2017. It's the transitional tag for the upcoming season. So you offered him a contract that he is already going to get. So he gives up his leverage by signing this contract that his own team went on a PR tour with here. Well, really, it was just a press release with the terms going, look what Kirk turned down, look what Kirk turned down. Like a kid a kid who could spell Google couldn't figure out the big lie in this whole contract by the Redskins so that them doing this, yeah, they save money. That's great. They don't like Cousins, and he hasn't been as good in the last couple years as he was like three years ago, and it was really sick, and you're going, man, maybe this guy's going to be pretty good one. I thought he was kind of a turnover machine in the beginning of his career. So, all right, so you don't want to pay him all that money. That's fine. But like, you don't get to, when you don't have another plan, not pay the quarterback. And then they're just digging themselves deeper into this hole. So their whole, it'd be like crashing your car and then bragging about the discount you got on doing the transmission over. So. I, this is just, it's such a fascinating story because 
There's so many people that don't think either one of these quarterbacks are any good. Yeah, like if you're a Redskins fan today, you're probably not pumped, right? No, because Fuller's in the Hall of Fame. True. Yeah, you gave up. Yeah, <laughs> you gave up the best corner in the league to get a. To get I was an thinking about DMing NBD that we follow each other, but DJ Swearinger. Asked hey, your boy was <laughs> it was a little yeah. well, he was a little upset last night. He was heated. My favorite part about it was that he tweets out the two things and deletes them about how mad he is that they trade Fuller. And then his follow-up tweet is like, pumped to have you, Alex. Like, let's go win a championship. Yeah, yeah, we get to, yeah, we get a championship. Swearinger started sharing stuff with us where he was like, he goes, how do you grade out as the number one defensive player? Yo, you was in the 90s for the season, and we moved on from you. So the Redskins, yeah, they got a cheaper guy that may not be as good or may be just as good as Cousins, but they put themselves in a – they kept putting all of their problems on layaway. I have a hard time giving them a ton of credit, and I do think in the anti-Alex Smith discussion, and I don't want to beat him up, and I know the other thing is is he everybody likes him so freaking much that the guys that are really in the league and the other former players love this dude. So I think that there's been this thing of not wanting to beat him up as much and that he was really good this year. He was pretty good this year. By the way, we had him on Will's show yesterday. All He did his whole media tour at Radio Row yesterday. Who, Alex? Alex, you did. And it was so calculated because we, I mean, every show that had him on asked him, hey, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? Blah, blah, blah. And then as soon as he's done with all his Radio Row hits, boom, the news drops. It's unbelievable how he pointed out that way. He, I mean, he straight up lied to everybody, but I'm not mad at him about it because I don't no, blame what him he's for supposed doing to do. It. But uh, it's just funny that he like, he that's... clearly waited until after that point. To release this news. Okay, but that's amazing that it wouldn't have ever gotten out. I know. Because all of that had to be done. I mean, we did it yesterday at, I want to say, it was like sometime in the afternoon, like 3 o'clock. And that contract would have been done and the trade would have definitely been done by then. Because the trade came out like five hours later. Shady. You also haven't answered my question, though. So it, you, you're saying that these two guys gave up on him, and they did, in Harbaugh and Andy Reid. But there still have been very big markets for him after those teams were willing to let him go. Like the Browns wanted him to, um, like, they, like I said, the chiefs gave up two seconds and the Redskins gave up a good player and a, and a third round pick. There's still interest in him as a starting quarterback. And they were not only they, they were going to give up the pick, they gave him this $71 million guaranteed. So clearly like people think he's, he's okay. Is he perfect? No. All right. But if I was on a long hike, and I got lost in the woods, and I had any anything to drink in like two days. I can survive like two days, no water. No, I think it's I think it's one day. Is it twenty four hours? Food is like a week. Food is a week. Yeah, dude, I do. There's there's no telling you what I would drink after like a day. And for the teams that haven't had a quarterback, that's that's kind of what it's like. So to say that there's this massive demand, no, no. If you were, and this actually relates a lot to the basketball stuff that we're going to get into, if you haven't had anybody that has, and we can debate how big of a star Blake Griffin is coming up next here, but if you haven't had any kind of attraction like that in your city for five, ten years, you're pumped to have Blake Griffin out there and give him a uniform and introduce him at the press conference. But if you're the Celtics or you're the Cavs or you're the Spurs or the Warriors, you'd be like, eh, we're good. We don't need that. So, yes, there's always teams that have gone through this quarterback desperation phase that would say Alex Smith comes in and solves our quarterback problems of the last few years. You know? 
rebound guy. Because yeah, look, at the rebound. Chiefs the Chiefs had no quarterback. They had they had nothing going for him. And Alex is a nice guy who's gonna. Are you saying Brody Croyle wasn't? Brody Croyle was not it. Who was the guy? Um, Ricky Stanzi. Yeah, the Iowa. other guy. Yeah, Iowa. Hot he was guy. there. They had a weird thing going before Alex got there, and then he kind of stabilized your situation. Me. Yeah. Yeah, he made you, you know, he he made you an honest girl. And then the Redskins are trying to get over Kirk Cousins, so they bring in Alex Smith again. Like, nice, safe guy. I think we got to everything. I, that RG3 qu- quote, though. God. Yeah, way to interject yourself into the story. I mean, nobody, nobody was going to bring you up, dude. Nobody. I just typed in RG, and it went RG Griffin. Uh, which usually... Different guy? Yeah, R.G. Griffin is the lesser known. I just want to read the tweet again. I think everybody knows it. I know. Oh, first headline. Robert Griffin III tweets self-centered response to Alex Smith trade. Somehow, some way, they will blame this on me, no doubt. Emoji like hands up shrug. Hashtag all in for week one. No pressure. He still has no pressure, no diamonds on his bio. I got to double check that. That's a good one to hold on to. It's kind of catchy. Yeah, everybody liked it when he was winning. Hashtag no pressure, no diamonds. Oh, he still has know your why up there, too. Oh, your why. That's the, oh, I forgot that's the best one. Know your why. A pair of socks that said know your why. Um, I don't know. I, I don't want to. I just wish I just wish he had a buddy that was close to him. He's like, dude, don't tweet out something about how the Redskins are going to blame this on you because you're just going to look like a, a tool. Send. I have uh, the Blake Griffin stuff that I want to do. Because this is a free one. I I was going to ask for some mailbag stuff, but I don't know. I I, I have this other thing I might do a little bit later. We'll talk Blake Griffin and what that means next. Okay, let's do some hoops here. The Blake Griffin trade was uh, treated with a lot of surprise, and I'm not going to tell you, I thought he was going to be traded this week. I thought he very well could be traded. You started hearing things the last few weeks where you're like, you know what, the Clippers, they had this stretch where they wanted to get rid of everybody, but it still wasn't necessarily Blake, and that ownership had to be sold on moving on from Blake because they just given this massive contract, which we all know was five years and $173 million. And I'd heard from a couple guys, they go, you know, one thing to pay attention to probably this offseason would be, could they get a good pick and something like that for Blake? And instead, the Clippers, which have been a weird team, but still fighting for a playoff spot this year, they bring back Avery Bradley, bring back Tobias Harris, they end up with a couple picks on this thing. And you start going, okay, well, wait a minute, are they going to still... By the way, they've tried really hard now to get that small forward thing situated after years of just not having anybody that they love to small forward, but a little late for all that stuff. So then you kind of read all the reactions. So again, I'm not, I'm not shocked. He was moved. I guess I just thought there was a chance. Cause I'd been talking to somebody and say, Hey, you know, a name to pay attention to was Blake Griffin, but I didn't think it was going to happen before the trade deadline. So that part would be a total lie. If I told you that that was happening. Uh, do we like Blake? Do we like Blake as much as we used to like Blake? No way. We used to love Blake. We used to love Blake Griffin. Blake be somebody you could build your team around. Blake was somebody who's number one overall pick. Remember, missed his entire rookie year. But you started looking at those numbers, 21 years old, and the efficiency, and you're going, this dude is incredible right out of the jump. You know what's happened? He hasn't played a lot. He played a full season that first his rookie year after missing his real rookie year. Then he played 66 games. Then he was 80-80. So four years into this, you're going, okay, we feel pretty good. 
and then it's 67 games, and then it's 35 games, and then it's 61 games, and this year it's 33 games. If you look at the PER, we're off of those peak years, uh, and this is his worst one in his eight years of playing. So that scares you, and you just gave him five years and 173 million. So <clears throat> what do you do? Do you go, okay, well, we don't really want to pay Blake this money, and that's my whole dilemma all the time with all these guys is that even if I don't love a player, if I were running the Pelicans and DeMarcus Cousins is a free agent, you guys all know that i am not been the biggest DeMarcus fan, but I feel terrible for the kid now with the Achilles thing. And, you know, they were starting to put it together here a little bit. And me talking about how much I'd like the Pelicans, just not like they were going to do anything in the playoffs, but, hey, it's nice to actually see a group of five guys out there to close a game with Drew, with Rondo, with uh, Clark, um, Miller hitting shots. You know what I mean? Like there was there was a semblance of a team finally, and DeMarcus and AD were figuring out a way to coexist. And then he blows out his Achilles. Had and I that obviously factors in now because it's a bigger guy with this kind of injury. But even me not loving him and talking about how teams have certain GMs have this no DeMarcus Cousins rule in place. Like no matter what, we just will not trade for him. We can't go ahead and sign that guy you probably still sign that player and go we worry about it later, just like the Clippers did. You know, just like so many teams during this, the cap goes up season, and, and look, we're talking multiple seasons. I'm going to get some of these numbers here in a little bit. You knew that you're just screwed. You're screwed as a GM where you go, I know I don't like this player at this number. I know what that number is going to be in four years, and that's an absurd number for this player. But you know what I can't do? I can't not sign the asset and then – Worry if I'm ever going to have the opportunity to grab another asset like this. So Blake Griffin becomes a superstar that we love, that's a borderline top 10 player, because that's the way we talked about him the first few years of his career. And then he became injured guy. And then he became, along with Chris Paul, guys that always let us down in the playoffs. The first round exit against the Memphis Grizzlies uh, in 2013. And Blake had some ankle issues, I remember, in that one. 2014, second round loss to OKC. That was Chris Paul screwed up in that one game with the turnovers. Uh and then he kind of freaked out, and it became a rough thing, the whole deal. So they get bounced out there. And Doc said recently, like, that's when it all went downhill. They still made the playoffs three more times after that. They had the second-round blow-up to the Rockets, which is the one they really should never get over after blowing the huge lead in Game 6. But Chris Paul actually missed two games in that series. And then first round against Portland in 2016, they lose. Blake and Paul both hurt. And then last year against Utah Jazz, Blake ends up missing four games in that seven-game series where they lose in the first round again. So whenever they put up the Chris Paul graphic about can't get out, can't get out, the second round, all that stuff, I'm like, yeah, but you guys never put up that he's hurt too all the time as I would defend Chris Paul. But I still, despite the fact that Blake became somebody that you go, we can build a team around him too, is he more of a superstar than he is you know, in name and in ads and deadpan kind of funny? Is he kind of that guy in the L.A. market where if he played somewhere else, we wouldn't think of him the same way? Well, it's pretty clear based on the reaction that we're getting from just cited NBA sources. All the stuff that I've read since the Blake deal went down, most people think the Clippers did better on this deal. And that tells you what people think of Blake and think of Blake and the money that he's going to be making down the road because that's the thing that just... I'm going to add it up for you here again. You go, all right, what are you doing if you're the Pistons? And Blake is $30 million this year, 32 the year after, $35 million, $36.8 million, and then has a player option for $39 million in the 2021-2022 season. Well, what you would say is, 
if you took on that contract, you, you'd be scared to death. You go, so somebody who can't stay healthy and gets hurt at the end of the year all the time, now in five years, I'm going to be paying almost $40 million. I don't want to do that. But you know what you would do if he was your player and he was up as a free agent? You'd resign him and you'd resign him to it, just like the Clippers did. And then the Clippers changed course. And then it became a bit of a debate about loyalty. And LeBron, you know, I get LeBron. He's always going to be pissed off at the world for the way he was treated when he went down to Miami. He looks at it as, I left a terrible franchise and an owner that I didn't like, who they couldn't get it done, even though they tried to do everything they could for him when he was up there. And I've done that segment numerous times when he was in Cleveland. It was ne- It's never been a not, not about spending, okay? But he goes to Miami, puts that group together, and they get treated like the most evil storyline in sports. Some of the stuff my friends were saying, NBA sucks now, it's wrestling, this is stupid, I hate it. Because of the not one, not two, not three. People hated that stuff with such a raging passion. And here we are seven, eight years later, and you know what? kind of doesn't feel so bad now anymore. And my whole point about usually in the moment is the worst time to have the take. Unfortunately, the business doesn't work that way. I can't be asked about Miami signing up with Wade and Bosch in Miami and going, you know what, get to me in five years. There's not, there's not a demand for that in the industry. So Blake is, is somebody that's wooed. And I don't know if you caught the Zach Lowe podcast. I think it's with Lee Jenkins where they talked about this banner being raised for Blake and that he would retire a clipper and there was a choir and this whole thing. And now somehow that seemed as uh, deemed as dishonest now. And LeBron kind of went, you know, hey, it's always the teams making the right move for the team when they trade the guy, but it's always the disloyal player. Well, the player unfortunately deals with more of the emotional baggage from the fan base because we care more about the players as fans. And yes, we want it both ways. We want you out when you're not making your money, and we want you to stay forever and never leave us when we still think you can produce. And that's the way it is always going to be. So you have to know when you're signing up for this, that's the unfair part of it. It isn't fair, and it's going to happen forever. Fans aren't going to ever get to the point where you go, you know what I'm going to start doing is being less emotional about my favorite players moving on from other teams. Okay, It's just not going to happen, but I understand LeBron's position on that. But LeBron, to go a little deeper and talk about how they wooed him, and then reading all these things, and everybody laughing and poking at the Clippers saying, oh, you guys did. So here's my question to all those people. Would you have rather the Clippers just sort of half-assed it? No choir? Not even like a good fast food joint out in L.A.? Maybe just some smoothies right outside of the Staples Center? Although that juice place is all right. You know, take them to Tom's Urban. It's a good spot. Again, I've stayed at this hotel a million times. But would you rather the Clippers done that and then give them the $173 million and then said, hey, part of our recruiting thing here is we could obviously trade you. Blake knows what the deal is. He knows when he doesn't get the no trade because no one really gets it anyway and it's really hard to qualify for it to begin with. Blake knows... I'm not getting the no trade. I'm signing up for 173 million guaranteed. I'm getting that extra year because I'm hurt all of the freaking time. And just like I toyed with talking to Phoenix and Denver to see what was out there and may have jumped on an offer there if the Clippers didn't step up, the Clippers post the Chris Paul thing, freaking out, hating the numbers that were staring them in the face on the spreadsheet, still went ahead and re-signed him and re-signed a star that a lot of GMs and people can knock around the league and say the Clippers got the better end of the deal. And yet every one of those teams that had free agent space except for a handful Every one of you, if you had free agent space to go and sign a guy like Blake Griffin and he picked you, he deemed you worthy of you giving him all this crazy money, you and your fan base both would have been psyched because you would have said, just like Stan Van Gundy said, hey, a caliber, a player of that caliber, 
You just kind of go ahead and kind of do the deal. And from a basketball sense, I get every reason why Detroit would do it. They want to shake it up. They still have Drummond there. You know, Reggie Jackson's massive number they have to worry about. Stanley Johnson played like the best game ever last night and Cleveland sucked again. LeBron was actually okay for stretches, but everybody else was terrible. Um, and watching that game and then lose. So like that's the thing that's so contradictory of this whole thing is that I hear people knocking Blake and yeah, you're kind of right. But the people knocking Blake would be the same front offices that would be psyched to even throw their money at Blake. And then my age-old rule, this whole thing, where if you trade for a player that has no contract certainty moving forward, people knock the trade because you go, oh, well, the guy could just leave. Whereas when you trade for the player that has three years of money, then the same people go, oh, look at all that money you owe him. Like somebody has to get your money. And that's why you have a 90% floor on these caps. So I understand the Clippers thinking the whole way through. I think it's totally unfair to knock them for going over the top with free agent recruiting. Cause dude, that's like, that's like being with a girl and she goes, you know, why did you, why did we do that awesome event together? You know, why did you take me to South Beach for the Super Bowl? Because I wanted to impress you and I'm a guy and you're a girl. It wasn't, it didn't mean we were going to get married. Did I pay for everything? Yes. Did we not fight once? Yes, for the most part. Did I was it was it fun? Did you get to go to some cool stuff? You did? Okay, great. When we break up, you can't yell at me that I brought you to South Beach three years ago and that that was misleading. I just brought you somewhere for a week. Well, we don't want to we don't want people to be honest with us, right? We don't want No, we if don't. The Clippers we went to Blake it. and said, "Hey man, we feel like we just lost Chris Paul." We hate the number that we're going to have to give you, but we're going to give it to you because we can't really say no to our fan base, but we might want to trade you in a year. Even though that's probably the honest thing, and maybe Blake did know that, you just can't say that. You can't say that. No, you can't. And, and reading the stuff from Zach and the Lee Jenkins stuff, it was hilarious. But then it turns into this kind of power of the player thing, and I'm telling you right now, the, the players have had, they've never had more power. They've never had more power. And I'm psyched that these guys are getting paid what they are getting paid. But you can't, like, you can't just go. Well, I don't want to spend my money on this guy, so I'll wait for the next dude. That guy's not gonna. That guy's not gonna present himself. Like Westbrook is making such sick money in a couple years, and you could make an argument. I mean, I was looking at Oklahoma City's spreadsheet this morning, and I'm going, this could get horrible here. Um, I'm gonna guess that Melo's not gonna opt out a 28 million next year. Um, in let's say, let's say Paul George resigns with, with Oklahoma city. Now he could do a couple different things. He could opt in and stay there. He could, um, he could sign a two year deal. And I hope I got this right. And someone will correct me if I have it wrong, but I believe Paul George can go two year deal to extend it out to 10 and then do his contract off a 10 year service time. And if he wanted to do that, like that's different numbers. But if he just did kind of a straight raise with the extra year with OKC in three seasons, so not next year, not the year after that, starting in 2020, 2021, you could have Russ at 41 million. You'd have Paul George, I think the average is around 33 million. And then you'd be adding Steven Adams to that at 27 and a half million. You will have a hundred million, over a hundred million. 
in three players that are Westbrook, George, and Steven Adams. I know the cap's going to go up a little. you got to do it, right? You, well, you have to with Russ. Like, does, do, does, does 43.8 million scare me in a few years with Russ? Scares me a hell of a lot. Like, I know it's an insane number, but I'd rather give it to that guy. And I'm not even the biggest Russ Westbrook guy. I mean, I'm I'm not. I just screwed up his name. But um, by the way, did you hear Blake talk about why he gave up his no trade clause or why he didn't want a no trade clause in his contract? It's pretty good. I have it here if you want. It. Yeah, let me hear it because I think I remember it. No, at the time, you know, I think that was around the time when Melo was going through his whole thing in, in New York with with uh, the no trade clause, and um, I don't think it was something um, that was that was. Uh, like a, a real option um, at the time. So, uh, like I said, I, I want to play for a franchise that wants me to be here, and, and um, clearly they didn't. So uh, this is this is what's most exciting to me. Yeah, it's eight years and four years with the same team in. So he would have had it because he's, he's his ninth season and he's always been there. But if you get hurt all the time, like at the end of the year all the time, and you're the Clippers and go, we're going to give you that fourth year, we're going to give it to you guaranteed, but we're not giving you no trade. Like this league doesn't like giving out no trades. Uh, the thing that's sort of a bummer for him, though, is all right. So he he reups. He obviously likes living in L.A. and now he's stuck in Detroit. Where if they were maybe more honest with him up front, maybe he would have signed with a Denver or a Miami or a place where he actually wanted to be. Yeah, but you got to know that, and it's the same. But on the other side, it's like Melo's thing with the Knicks. Like when he could have gone to Chicago and Houston was trying to figure out a way to do it. And Mello was telling everybody that was paying attention. He's like, dude, I'm just going to take every cent and then I'll worry about it later. Like get me that last year. Like Mello's staring at 28 million next year because he's like, whatever, I'll just sign it and then I'll figure out the rest of this stuff later. And I don't even necessarily think that's a bad way of doing business. So, um, I, I don't, we, we have, this is what we have to do is that we have to, with sports, and the players aren't going to do this, okay? And I never like comparing our lives to what these guys do. I mean, there's a reason why Blake's going to make this money is because he's 6'10", and he moves like very few humans have ever moved. All right, there's something special there. It's a rarity. It's a rare human being, and that's why we care so much about this stuff because you can't believe, especially when you get to see it in person, how these people can actually move and how good they are. You know how hard it is to get you shot off in this league? Okay? And I just, I wish we'd stop feeling bad or coming up with all these sob stories for athletes. And I'm not doing the, oh, they get paid and, you know, the high school loser who tells you he's one injury away from a full ride, D1, all that stuff. No offense to the guys that actually did get hurt and lost out on D1 scholarships. But the whole I do it for free crowd. But we need... We need a little bit more, uh, I don't think honesty is the word on this one. It's it's just acceptance of what it is. You are going to be a rock star famous. You are going to make more money than you'll ever know what to do with. You are going to be adored by both men and women. You are going to live this life, but in some ways, because it's happening to you, when it is unfair, it's going to feel incredibly unfair. But this is what you're signing up for. These are all the pros and these are all the cons. And the pros heavily outweigh the cons. And that's why when Richard Sherman 
who thinks he's spouting off this brilliance when he's actually one of the most boring, most predictable takes when it comes to sports. This is Sherman, what, last year with the Players' Tribune talking about the relationship between the NFL and the player being the commodity? And did they shoot this in black and white, too, to really give it that dramatic feel? This was This was garbage. This was so not interesting. That's why I'm going to play it for you again. Their bottom line business, if, if, if you can increase their, their bottom line, then they'll, they'll, they'll love you. They'll, they'll do everything they can to put you out more, to, to market you, to, to make sure the fans buy your jersey, to put your jersey out because it makes them more money. If you're not making them money, then at the end of the day, they, they're going to find somebody else. No. Okay. Yes, that's what happens. That's what happens, man. When you're no longer producing, they move on. I know it seems so weird and so specific and so about your deal, but the rest of the deal is a pretty good one. I forgot how angry that makes me. It like, makes me so angry. Like, that's life, man. Like, yeah. what, what do you want us to do? You know, and, and what a great way... And I don't really do this, but like, what a great way to not endear yourself to the public. You know, like everybody that is buying your jersey and buying a ticket and doing all that stuff. When I don't really side with, you know, crazed fan guy all the time either that, that's always going, what about me? You know, like we're all in this deal together. All these little things that we're agreeing to, we all know the deal. When you buy your tickets and somebody gets rested and it sucks, it does suck, but it's also part of the deal. When you're a player and you're not, I don't know, producing anymore, you're not as good, and the team starts looking in another direction, that's part of the deal. And it'll always be part of the deal. So when Blake Griffin, who signs this massive free agent contract, when we used to like you a lot more when you played the first four years in and thought you were kind of this untradeable dude, and don't debate me on this, I'm telling you right now, Blake was kind of thought of as one of those guys. He was never LeBron, he was never Durant, but he messed around with MVP kind of talk that one year where Chris Paul actually went down and Blake kept putting up huge numbers. But Blake, like so many stars before him, the popularity expiration date is staring you down. Every great player that is really popular in the NBA especially, you eventually become popular because you're not winning you're not getting it done. It's starting to happen to Anthony Davis. The overwhelming, glowing reviews of Carl Anthony Towns and us watching going, mm, is he really, you know, all that? And look, the T-Wolves are doing great finally, great for them. But we all know the deals that we're signing up for in everything we do all the time. I knew what I was getting involved with ESPN and I could be mad about certain things, but you know, at the end of the day, I had to make decisions for myself and understand, like, okay, I see where they're coming from. I know why they're going to do this or that or all. And I'm not talking about any, even my recent stuff. I'm just talking about like stuff in the past. And you know it when you have relationships or stuff at work. So the pity party for Blake Griffin when he gets traded after signing a five year extension, we all know, we all know what this is about. And so does Blake. And actually, Blake's been really cool about everything he said since he's been traded, despite the fact that people are saying he's miserable. Not miserable, but just. Devastated, but it is a little like. What if they can kind of figure this out a little bit? And he yeah, I was gonna say, I, I kind of like it. I, I like it for Detroit. And how about the other, the just the the favorite? Every time a move is made, I'll look up like the contract or the executive, and you think whatever. What a great way for Stan Van Gundy to get an extension out of this year four of a five year overhaul, and he's getting paid huge money. I mean, he called all the shots with the guys around him, 
If he doesn't do anything, stay stale, he could be out of there after the five years. Oh, wait a minute, you bring in Blake, maybe go a little bit deeper in the playoffs. Okay, we like what we're doing. And I agreed with Stan on this one, is that you know these guys aren't always easy to acquire. But then again, when they're traded, there's so many times you'd be like, that's all they got? Because Tobias can bounce. Avery, I think, can bounce. And honestly, like the Clippers didn't really want anything. Like they're trying to, they're looking to 2019 free agency at this point. Yeah, and then there's all you know the LeBron stuff. Okay, now he's that's why they're doing this. I don't, I don't know about that one yet. My LeBron meter is still firmly planted in Cleveland, despite how terrible. I know what every single storyline will be on on this one. Did I do that whole thing? Like if they end up, I think you and I talked about it just at dinner. Is that if the Cavs continue to struggle, God, they sucked last night. Uh, if they keep struggling and they don't make a trade, then that will be the next day after the trade deadline, the discussion will be, did the Cavs blow it? That's the only way it will be processed. Did the Cavs blow it by not turning down this specific offer? It'll be, did they blow it by just not doing like the function of trading the Brooklyn pick. And speaking of the Brooklyn pick, because I didn't do this last week, I need to, uh, I need to do this last little thing here. And I'm, I don't want to be in fantasy basketball. No offense to anyone, uh, on that side of things, but it's great. Is, and look, I'm a big Ainge guy. Okay. But the Brooklyn pick, it's now because Brooklyn's a little bit better. That Ainge is getting credit for knowing ahead of time that Brooklyn would be a little improved and that Brooklyn pick wouldn't be as valuable. That is some massive overdoing it of giving Ainge credit for things. And I'm a guy that argued pro-Ainge to everybody and did a victory lap for Ainge when he pulled the Kyrie thing off. But Brooklyn is, as it currently sits, <laughs> they're, they're three games out of the worst record in the NBA. This thing changes every week. So, like, at one point, I was reading these pieces, be like, and, you know, look, they're closer to the 11th worst record in the league, and that proves, once again, Ainge, 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 Ainge. Hey, I want to give Ainge all the credit in the world right before we go there. Right before, because if, you, if you're if you doing that, you're making up stuff. And that could be, it's still in play to be the worst pick. I, you know, I don't think anybody's going to be worse than, no, somebody could be worse than the Magic. I don't know, man. God, I want to do a stink. I want to do a what if the Nets had their pick like what that team would look like. Uh it, it might be kind of nice. Yeah, I haven't really thought of that that much. Well, they'd have Fultz though. They wouldn't have Tatum. You think they would have taken Fultz? Okay. Yeah, they definitely that. Yeah, they would have. The Fultz not taking Fultz thing was was tough to do. It had it had to be somebody like Ainge who's a non-consensus guy who doesn't care. Because I'm telling you, right, some GMs will just go, okay, is it close? All right, all the mock drafts say Fultz should go one. All right, I'm going to take Fultz. Because it's close to me, and even if I like Tatum a little bit more, I'll just take Fultz so nobody yells at me. And then if I'm wrong, you know, it's the whole Carl Anthony Towns, Przingis thing. I had teams that like Przingis just as much as Carl Anthony Towns. But if I was the GM and I had the number one pick, I'm taking Towns. Because if I screw up the Przingis thing, it's you're a moron and, you know, skittish feely time. Or if I take Towns and he's a bust, it's Cal's fault doesn't prepare him <laughs> side <laughs> which, note which isn't true by the way to- I, total side note since we're talking about the draft yeah what trey young 
Yeah, I, I don't think scouts like him as much as the media does. Yeah, I don't think I was looking. Well, I, I was know, looking at I some mocks. I was yeah. looking at some mocks, and I was looking at some big boards, and he's not as high as you'd think he would be. Well, for anybody that's talking about him being the number one pick, that person doesn't know. Like they don't talk to anybody in the league. If you're a guy doing mock drafts and you get a little website, and I congratulate you and going to GoDaddy and you know coming up with a name and telling girls that. Fridays that you're running a new draft site. Scouting. That's great. But if you, if you put Trey Young one, you, you just, you can't. You, there's, there's three guys. There's three guys you can't. And I've talked to teams that don't have him in the top seven. So, uh, I know Javoni had him, what, seventh, uh, for us now, cause he's, he's doing stuff. Draft Express. I mean, Jonathan's been doing forever. Yeah. Um, he was mo- every, I looked at a few different sites. He was around seven, somewhat lower, never higher. Yeah. And I, I that surprises me that, People then go, whoa, I can't believe they have him so low. And you're like, well, no, because the mock guys, like those guys, Javoni and is it Schmitz who does stuff for us too, who's really good? Like those guys are, I'm so jealous of them that year round, that's all they have to do is just be draft freak out nerd dudes. And, you know, if you talk to enough teams, uh, I like it's, I'll have, I have teams that call me to complain about Trey Young. To go, oh, you guys were Trey Young. Like, hey, dude, you know, I haven't been on the air in like a month, right? <laughs> yeah. It's not me. It's not me. I'm not saying people hate him or anything like that, but there is a there is a gap for the love and what he's going to be draft night uh, from our side of yeah. it on the media side. Whoever and, takes him, it's going to be like, oh, steal. Look at this guy. Yeah, and a lot of it is very Steph based. Yep, he's probably that first like I don't want to say wannabe Steph, but like in that mold of like the first prospect that's kind of in Steph's mold. Yeah, we got it wrong on Steph, so now let's not get it wrong here. I think what you're forgetting though is that Steph is legit six four. Um, is he? Yeah. Steph's and Trey's like six two listed. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what he He looks a little six one ish out there to me. Should we look that one up? Trying to forget. I know. I don't know. Yeah, we should vote on should we vote? uh he's listed at six two on yeah. Wikipedia. So um Steph's listed at six three on Wikipedia. So you know that must Wait, be true. Trey grew. ESPN six two. What do they have Steph at six three? Six three, yeah. So. They do. Let me see. Okay, let, let me see what it said at the combine though. Steph Curry combine. I bet you his bench reps were sweet. We need to fix Trey's hair though. I don't. I don't talk about other dudes. Sorry, hair. I just need to be said. Uh, Steph Curry, son of, yeah, they have him 6'3", 181, but there should be an athletic testing here thing. Mm. This is all Draft Express. All right, they're going to 6'3". Research, content, pre-draft workout. I don't know. When did this stop being interesting? About a minute ago? He's listed as 6'3". Boom. Okay. He feels taller out there. He feels a little taller. Life updates. Still in Connecticut. Woo! There has been a slight delay on the moving transaction, but everything is heading in the right direction. Um, good news on the horizon. Uh, you and Chad Kroger could hang out. Yeah. Get Strider out of Benihana. Um he does, he doesn't live in his mom's basement. He lives in her guest house, bro. Those guys were so mad 
And if people don't know what we're talking about, was it Chad Kroger? At Chad goes deep on uh, Instagram. Instagram, right. Incredible follow. They were just on Fox News. They were just on Fox News talking about how they prep for going out before house parties and that clubs aren't really their stees, which I thought was great. And And talking about getting mobile. Yeah, like we got to get mobile. We try to... I was surprised was Chad said he grabs a sixer and then the dude next to him kind of looked at him and was like, or at least a 30 rack, yeah. you know? And I was like, maybe just Chad's one of those guys who doesn't, he just doesn't, you know, you have buddies that are younger going, I don't really like drinking. Yeah. He just yeah, doesn't go too hard. Yeah. Enjoyable drunk. A couple rolling rocks <laughs> and I'm, and I'm straight, but he's definitely, cause this is with a segment, but I think I want to save it for Van Pelt. Cause I was thinking like, if you could be any other kind of guy, what guy would you be? Because I went to Whole Foods Day. So they, oh, that's such a good question. Yeah, like I live as a, when I'm in Connecticut, when I'm not on the road trying to get stuff done and the writing, which I'm learning is a little harder. <laughs> uh, that could be a whole other segment we do on the podcast. But uh, yeah, I mean, I was offered a million jobs as soon as everything was over. So that was a nice little ego boost. But I was like, that's just not what I'm doing right now, bro. And uh I am still moving and I am moving to Manhattan beach. So that part's done, but I went out to go look for places and it wasn't super fruitful. So we had to pivot. Uh, I'm being going to be like board shorts, flip flop backwards hat tank guy a lot now. Well, I'm kind of a tank, no shirt guy now. You fit in. I don't see you as a flip flop guy though. No, I don't like flip flops. I'm not board shorts guy. You know, what I'd like to do is bring back Ullman lack shorts, mid nineties. Oh, those are good. Yeah. Yeah. Baggy kind of Yeah, baggy, but like, you know, just pinched up a little on the side, so there's a little high knee flare on it. Because those those lacrosse shorts were just that's that was the uniform. They the were thing the is, best. Yeah, I just didn't play lacrosse, so I was a poser. Um, so yeah, like all that stuff's going pretty well. It's just it's I was supposed to be gone this week, and I'm clearly not going to be gone this week. So I'm still in Connecticut for a couple more weeks. I'm selling my place here. I'm dealing with a place out there. Things look good. So I don't want to jinx anything. Um, the non-sports stuff is going. It just takes, it doesn't happen very fast. And that's fine too. It would help if I didn't live in Connecticut. But yes, so I went to the gym early today and I went to Whole Foods and I had lunch. At, I sat down at Whole Foods and ate my meal that I prepared. Love that. And I saw a guy who's probably in his 50s and he had a long, like really well-conditioned ponytail. And he just looked happy. Now he may have been high AF, who knows? But I was like, I bet you he does like a little woodworking or something. He's got a great dog. And I go, would I be happier as that guy? Like dog, love my dog, long, thick ponytail, 50s, maybe super into trees, maybe not. Either way, just at peace. Like would I want to be, if I could be any other style of dude, how would that one go? Uh, I could not see you doing that. No. I, I couldn't see you being Chad Kroger, stoner, party, house party guy either. Just you, content? You just, whatever, because you get annoyed. You would get annoyed with other people. So maybe the dog thing wouldn't be that bad because you wouldn't be around people as much. Yeah, like if, if in six months you go, hey, what happened to Rosillo? And they're like, actually, total pivot. Went up to Montana. Playing to birds now. Not Wyoming. <laughs> Went up to Montana and just he's got a little cab and he's working on some poetry and he's he's got a big 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 husky big Washington he got rid of his he got rid of his Land Rover yeah husky's always off leash too just walking yeah, around just, they do trail hiking together yeah 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 he doesn't even he doesn't have any guns because he just has his dog 
and he doesn't believe in shooting bears. He feels like if the bear attack were going to go down, he just has to, you know, it's either going to happen or it's not, but it's not fair to the bear if the bear isn't armed. No, I can't see you doing that. That's not it. That's not it. No, because a lot of my friends are like, are you just, are you hanging out? Are you like going out a lot? I'm like, no. What, like, what do you think? Like, I, I am kind of going a little stir crazy. I am because I wanted to be out of here this week. I thought the month would be fine, but it's making the right decision when the time presents itself versus making the wrong decision in the timeline that you want. So that's a pretty easy thing to figure out the answer to. What's the first thing you're going to do when you're there? Like, are you going to like, I've already worked out. out of the gym out there. Like when you for, when you move into your place and like you're settled in or whatever, like are you gonna you gonna hit the town hard? Are you gonna just like chill by the beach? Because you don't strike me as like a sit at the beach with a chair guy. Oh, see, that's where you're wrong. I one of the, my mo, like one of my favorite things to do ever is spend an afternoon at the beach in a it's chair, like a folding chair. Read, book. yeah. I, oh, that's good. Yeah, that's right. You you do read a lot. Voracious reader. No, I could just jump and read, and then I like to jump back in and out of the water. The salt water is medicinal. Big saltwater guy. Pick up hoops on Venice Beach. Yeah, me being near, no, I'm probably not going to go up there. It's tough to shoot at Venice Beach. It's so windy. Yeah, that's true. And the thing is, the whole like legend of Venice Beach, some of the guys are really good, and some are just terrible and so homeless, funky, you wouldn't even want them guarding you. No offense to the homeless that play pick up hoops that are listening to the podcast right now. But it's just reality what's going on. Um, I could post a whole Instagram thing on it. Moved in. I was kind of waiting for like the first dude that just goes like, oh, what a horrible mistake you've made. Like, look how bad your life turned out when it's like, no, actually, boom, boom, boom. And just just murder a guy with hammer blows to the forehead of of facts. But I don't really need to do that because people seem to like me more than I thought they did. Yeah. I was having a conversation about Instagram with one of my buddies, though. Because you know how people will say if it was all female leaders in the world, there'd be no war? Incorrect. I don't know if that's true. Because I would think, like, I could see Japan, like, what if, yeah, like, what if you were, what if you were Japan and you were like, you went to the other country and they said, uh, I was looking at your Instagram posts and I saw that you liked a ton of Australia's pictures. And what's up with that? Yeah, right. And then whoever the leader of Japan was that was talking to the leader of Spain, the leader of Spain would be like, I like what's not to like? Look at those pictures from Australia. I don't I don't really know what to tell you. Like you're going through my stuff and you're looking and to see whether or not I like pictures of Australia. And then Japan would be like, We've never mentioned Australia once ever. And the time that we've known each other, we've been to countless summits, we've had numerous luncheons. And I've never once heard you talk about how much you like Australia. And you'd be like, well, hey, I'm sorry that I haven't told you all of the countries that I admire and find attractive. It's just all I did was like a picture. Look at the coastline. Look at Perth. Look at downtown. I mean, there's, isn't it fairly obvious? Like, hey, while we're doing this, I think Austria's hot. I think there are times Austria, depending on the season, I think that's incredible. Wait, you follow Italy? Yeah, I follow Italy. Italy followed me. Like, we're all in this together. Was it, what was I not supposed? Am I not supposed to follow Italy back? Like, Italy follows me. I'm Spain. I got to follow them back. Like, it's not that big of a deal. Does Italy DM you? D- Italy DM me for help on a trade exemption tariff thing. Okay, that's it. I'll show you the freaking DM. 
All right? That's why if there were all female leaders, there would still be wars. I think we're good. We good? Yeah. We'll talk to you next week. We may just push up the Van Pelt thing because Woj and I are doing a big post-trade deadline mashup uh, for the pod. So please keep subscribing and subscribing, reviewing. Saruti's been on a tear sending out stuff. Doesn't mean all of you are getting something, which I think some of you have learned. It's the most creative. I look at the most creative ones. That's yeah, the guy that just screen grabs a five-star review. Also, like, if you just say, hey, Saruti, give me swag. Yeah, I've noticed that Don't a lot, too. I, yeah, hey, Saruti, where's my large? That's not what we're looking for here. So reviews. If I they, laugh, you're getting a shirt. Yeah, if you're if you're laughing, that's actually, yeah, that's how it should work. You can't just get stuff because you, people were a lot, you know, that's a whole nother segment. So, uh, yeah, so next week, it looks like I'm probably still going to be in Connecticut. So we'll make this work.